0: Hey, Survivor fans, let's talk about a snack that would take that island by storm. Wonderful pistachios.
1: Wonderful pistachios are the undisputed champions of proteins. They pack a punch, boasting six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. That's over 10% of your daily value. Talk about a powerhouse snack. And let's not forget the lineup. We're talking flavors galore. Sweet chili, salt and pepper, honey roasted, Wonderful Pistachios is like a flavor festival for your taste buds. Perfect for tribal gatherings or on-the-go adventures. The no-shells option is
0: a game changer. Just grab and go. It's that easy. So Survivor Squad, if you want to
1: outwit, outplay, out-snack the competition, make Wonderful Pistachios your go-to snack. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more.
2: MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here.
3: Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Welcome to On Fire, the only official survivor podcast. I'm Jeff Probst, host and showrunner of Survivor. I'm joined by Jay Wolf, a TV producer in his own right and the producer of this podcast. What's up, Jay?
1: Hey, I'm excited to be back.
4: You know, I am too. We had a lot of fun last season on our inaugural season of On Fire, and we really took you inside the making of the show from the producer's point of view. So it was you, Jay, and it was me, and then we have one of our supervising producers, Brittany Crapper, and it was really in the weeds about how we make the show and where the ideas come from and why we try them. So for this season of On Fire, we thought it would be valuable and fun to add the player's point of view, to give you more context of what it's really like when you're out there living it and not just doing something you do, Jay, which is just yelling at the TV from the couch. You're very good at having criticisms from the comfort of your home.
1: Thank you. I've been practicing for
4: a very long time. (laughs) So as we kick off Survivor 45's premiere, we're also kicking off the premiere of On Fire. And the question became, who are we going to put in this seat? And if you haven't heard the news, the person we chose... They were one of the stars of Survivor 38, Edge of Extinction. They went all the way to the fire making challenge, which is tough to do. They're also a very smart player with great insight and they're a great talker. So it seemed like the only choice could be Rick Devins. Welcome to the team.
5: Jeff, Jay, I'm so glad to be here. And I got to tell you, I really appreciate you letting me off the edge of extinction to do this.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Just don't get too comfortable, because you know there could be a twist at any given point, Evans, and we send you <laughs> right back out there. <laughs> All right, so Rick, uh, tell us specifically what you're going to be bringing to the pod this season. I'm here to take you inside the mind of a
5: Survivor player. Why did they make that move? Why would they say that thing? Essentially why a player's behaving in a certain way or making a specific move at a certain point in the game. Because a survivor player makes dozens of decisions every day. Every decision they make impacts the game. As a former player, I can share insight that fans might not consider or may not even realize is a factor, little things. And then how those little choices can influence a player's thought process. Ultimately, their decisions, then whether they win a million dollars. Here's how it's
4: going to work. Each week, Jay and Devons will highlight the key turning points of each episode from Survivor 45 and examine them from the player's point of view. Sometimes they're going to be big, obvious moments, but Devons, I imagine there will also be smaller, subtle moments that really only a player might notice and only a player would understand why that little glance at Tribal Council is a turning point and how it might impact the rest of the game. And then I'll return to give the producer's point of view behind the creative decisions of that episode. So with On Fire, you get the fan point of view. You get the player point of view and the producer point of view. That's why On Fire is the only official Survivor podcast. All right, Devons, we're going to treat this just like we would uh, a marooning on Survivor. We're just going to throw you into it. So I hope you came prepared. I'm excited to hear what you have to say, and I'll be back in a bit.
5: (laughs) All right. Well, there's a lot to talk about, including a tribal council quit. Seriously? Episode one? We haven't seen that in years, but let's start at the beginning with the marooning.
1: Agreed. It's a huge turning point. It's 18 strangers standing on a barge, and we've seen this happen 44 times and yet it still has the capacity to shock me because something that I could have never expected happens. When seconds into the show, people are just starting to get their feet settled, Emily throws the first punch.
2: I'll push back against Bruce a little bit. You know, I think it's really in his advantage to come out here and say, look, I'm just like you. I'm like everyone, but we've all been looking at him. We recognize his face. He's had the experience leading up to this. He is in some way more mentally prepared, even if he hasn't physically experienced it than we are right now.
1: I mean, I'm not even sure that Probst said girl in the yellow, what's your name before she came out of the gate with that.
5: Record scratch for all the other players out there. This is
1: a, you are playing survivor moment. Yeah, and that's the question. Emily is clearly a smart person. So why is she going for Bruce? Isn't that a risky move? It is a risky
5: move, and she's obviously a very smart player. There are a variety of reasons that she might do this right out of the gate. For one thing, she's trying to put a target on Bruce. Everyone's out here so happy he's back. They feel for him because what happened last season But she doesn't want it that way. And maybe by doing this, she's going to create some allies for herself. If not on her tribe, people that want to get rid of Bruce, maybe in the future, people on his tribe are going to appreciate that she put this target on him early in the game. Maybe it just sows division. Maybe she's just trying to cause a little chaos early. That's how she thrives. I tend to think that she just is doing exactly what she told us she was going to do. She wants to win. Or go home day one. To me, that means she wants to have control in the game. She wants right away for everyone on that barge to know that she is someone who's going to have her hand on the wheel. And I think most of the other people on the boat are honestly, they're, they're overwhelmed by the moment. So the fact that Emily is able to grab the wheel right out of the gate tells you that she is a player with a plan. Right. What is it like getting to that moment in your experience? It's wild. That morning is such a blur. I've talked to a lot of other Survivor players who say by the time you get your feet on that barge, you only remember little flashes of this or that because you had the whole casting process. And then you have to plan for going away. For me, I had my wife, Becca. I had two young kids, so she had her hands full with so much. I was trying to do the little things, at least, like making sure the bills would be on auto pay, having people that could come over and help out with little things. Finally, the whole trip from L.A. to Fiji, Ponderosa for a week where you can't even talk. You're living in your own head. Then morning of, you're seeing your tribe for the first time. That sends you spinning, right? doing a lot of things for the last time, brushing your teeth, doing your hair. You're flying on a boat across the Pacific. So by the time you're huh. up there and Jeff is asking questions, you have just been soaking all this in. Maybe you can't even think of what your answer is going to be. Meanwhile, Emily had a plan and she came out here and she hit it right away. So I think all those people in the days
1: are, are getting Crash Course in Survivor from Emily right off the bat. Right, and to that point, it makes Bruce's response to Emily, I think, more impressive. Yes,
5: on a day like this, with everything going on, he's able to take a step back and not engage with Emily the way that she might have wanted to, or the way that could put a target on him. I think this is maybe a small example of the very small advantage that he has of being a kind of returning player. He hasn't done a whole lot in Mm. Survivor, but he has been through a marooning. And so he has dealt with the complex emotions that we just went through. And now that gives him a chance to step back, disengage from Emily, once parry twice, and then go back to the beach and discuss it with his tribe and not there in front of everybody. I think Bruce made the right move. I think caution on day one is okay. Or at least on impression one, as we see day one in this game, a very long day. Emily won another route. We'll see how
1: it plays out. So the next moment I want to discuss within the marooning was when Lulu fell behind. What happened was Brend was attempting to get up the ladder and he found that he couldn't. We found out later that he was having a panic attack, and for me, this was really difficult to watch because I felt for Brandon. I've had a panic attack before, and it's terrifying. It feels like an elephant's on your chest. So I can't imagine, on one hand, having that level of empathy for someone, and at the same time, be standing there on that boat thinking, is this the guy I got to vote out tonight? Welcome to Survivor.
5: Absolutely, you have empathy. (laughs) This is every day what you're dealing with. My tribe mate is so sad they're away from their family. My tribe mate just hurt themselves. My tribe mate is starving. Like I feel for these people that I'm going through this experience with. How can I use that to my advantage? How can I manipulate that situation into something That's going to get me further in the game. And when I say manipulate that situation, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm puppet master or burning socks. Like maybe that means I'm the most sympathetic to Brandon when he comes back. Mm. Everyone else is mad at Brandon. Not me. I'm putting my arm around him. I'm letting him know that I believe in him, that he can do it better next time. Or maybe I am the guy who's going, we got to get rid of Brandon. Right. What the hell? He's gonna drag us down this whole game. You have to figure out how you're gonna use the situation, but if you get caught up in empathy on Survivor and let it keep you from playing the game, then
1: you shouldn't even be out there. You're not gonna get very far. Knowing all of that, if you're Brandon, how do you recover from this?
5: So on a typical first day of Survivor, you have a lot of different options. Maybe you go find an idol. Maybe you go and form an alliance that's gonna get you through the game. Brandon didn't have a typical first day of survivor. Brandon had a horrible challenge on the barge, got left there with medical while his tribe went and bonded, and now he's showing up last one to the party. He has one choice. Put the target on somebody else. That's where he has options. He can put the target on Emily. She made herself an easy option because of her interaction with Bruce. He can put the target on Caleb and Sabaya. They're not there. They're strong. They're together. But whatever his
1: options within that, he's only got one thing. Put a target on somebody else. Right, because he's playing catch-up, essentially. He he may not even know these people's names is what you're saying. Exactly. While we're on the beach, I wanted to ask you a question. Sweat versus Savvy is a part of this game, and we're going to get into that in a second. But that means that two of these tribes will not have a pot or a machete. How difficult is it to show up on your new beach, which I imagine is a magical feeling, and suddenly realize that you've got to build a shelter and you've got no way to do it? When you're out there, it is really magical when you land on
5: that beach, when you can look around and you think, theoretically, I'm going to be living here. Then the sun starts going down and it's not theoretical. You're like, oh, no, what are we doing tonight? (laughs) I'm
1: going to be living here. (laughs) Exactly, exactly.
5: (laughs) On my season, season 38, we had a machete. We had returning players and our shelter was garbage. It did nothing. So for these players to be out there with literally just bamboo leaning on a tree, very
1: important. Sweat versus Savvy, to come back with something. Yeah, this is the next turning point, and a huge part of the game, we've seen it in every version of the new era, so it's an essential part of getting started on Survivor. My first reaction to seeing the new version of Sweat versus Savvy just as a fan was that I loved the new twist. I think the head-to-head was really fun. Me too.
5: I was waiting for props to jump out of the bushes and start narrating everything. <laughs> and
1: we're going to get to talk to him later, actually, about the changes to the game design. My question for you, Rick, is... How should a player approach a situation like going on Sweat versus Savvy? Because I know for me, I'm shouting at the TV like, what are you doing? Don't do it. Jay, people like you drive me nuts. <laughs> people like you... Welcome to the show. Say, don't go on
5: Sweat versus Savvy. Don't put yourself up for the puzzle. Don't do it. Go out on Survivor and don't do anything. And then they get mad at the person sitting on the sit-out bench. No, no. I advocated for Bruce earlier, playing cautious. I'm advocating now for going on Sweat versus Savvy. Forget what happened. Think about all the upside going out there. Why? You can bring back a machete for your tribe. Huge for goodwill. Maybe there's an advantage out there waiting for you. Maybe Jeff is going to be there with a deal. That could be great. You build an alliance with your person who you go out there that could take you through the whole game. Maybe you go out there and you work with the other tribe to come up with a scheme that's going to have a huge impact on the game. Maybe you work with the person you went out there with to come up with a lie so that when you get back, you can manipulate your tribe. There are so many things you can do if you're willing to take that risk. Whereas if you go back to camp, that's fine. There's things you can do there too. But yes, on Survivor, you can cautious yourself out of the game as easily as you can play too hard and play yourself out of the game. So I think to make sure that you're not that person left without a chair when the music stops and you find out your best alliance member doesn't have a vote, that the person you were after did find an advantage, you need to make sure at some point you're taking a risk to
1: put yourself in control in the game. You know, Rick, I'm starting to put together how you found all those idols out there. It's just starting to make a little bit more (laughs) sense as I get to know you. That all sounds great and it makes sense to me and I appreciate that. But if you're Caleb and Sabaya or you're Jake and Brando now and the timer keeps ticking and you're not going to finish, how do you make that adjustment in the moment?
5: Yeah, if you're actually out there in that moment, your hands stinging with cuts you've gotten from these logs and those cuts are going to be there till the end of the game, panic sets in, you're worried, but that's... Again, survivor, you're constantly having things not go your way, and you have to sit back and say, how can I turn this into an advantage? What you want is, when you hit that beach, is you need to have a plan, because just like Brandon, you're at a disadvantage. You've been away from the tribe all day, and you know they've been talking to each other about you.
1: And in a case like this, where you really did try, and you really did fail, and you come back with nothing, you now have to anticipate your tribe not believing you anyway, as we saw with Emily. I was like, and you didn't get sweat anything for meeting no.
2: They're insistent that nothing nefarious happened. We just weren't able to complete the challenge. That's BS. Yeah,
5: that's the risk that comes with playing Survivor. There's always risk. And that's what the game's about. You make moves, you adapt accordingly.
1: Okay, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're gonna get into the first tribal council quit in the new OJ, era Jay, I have thoughts <laughs> we got that and much more when
5: we come back
0: Listen, wearing the same clothes for 26 days straight on Survivor really made me realize the importance of buying high-quality, long-lasting clothes. That's why I love Quince. They have timeless, well-made pieces that last for years and don't go out of style. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts, performance polos, and versatile flow-knit activewear. Buying pieces from Quince means that I don't have to keep buying new clothes every year, which is better for my wallet and the environment. I recently got a super chic Italian leather tote from Quince and I'm loving how it looks. The best part about Quince is that by partnering directly with top factories, they're able to keep prices super affordable. I'm talking 50 to 80% cheaper than similar brands. And the other best part is that Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I love that. Upgrade your wardrobe. Go to Quince.com Survivor for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com Survivor to get free shipping. Shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com/survivor.
4: So you're a Survivor superfan, huh? Well, we've got plenty of great products for you—from this season's buffs to my signature hat, T-shirts, and more. There's something for the superfan in all of us. Shop official merchandise at shopsurvivor.com and save 20% off at checkout with code onfire. That's 20% off with code onfire at shopsurvivor.com.
5: Welcome back to
1: On Fire, the official Survivor podcast. I'm Rick Devins, he's Jay Wolf. I am, and for our next turning point in Survivor 45, episode one, we have to discuss the immunity challenge. Clearly this is important. It is going to decide who's going to tribal, and it's where you have a chance to prove to your tribe whether you're an asset or you're a liability. So Rick, I want you to tell me about getting to the immunity challenge, but I want you to start that morning. You wake up, then
5: what? It's very exciting. You have your regular camp life, but it's interrupted by tree mail, which is, you know, this is your first tree mail. That's really big. You've been looking at that forever. Then you're trying to decode the tree mail, which is nearly impossible, but Even though you don't know what it's going to be, you have some ideas of what could be involved. So even before you ever leave camp, you're talking about who might be on the puzzle, who might do this, who might do that, because you want to put yourself in the best position when you get there. You know there's not going to be a lot of time, but man, the real exciting part is walking up to the challenge for the first time, because it is huge. It's an adult playground, and you cannot believe that somebody built it for you. And it's terrifying because it's huge, and somebody built it for you, and you know everyone back home is watching and you might screw it all up. But that's, that's you're trying to push that out of your mind as Jeff comes up and says, you know, welcome to your first challenge on Survivor.
1: Yeah, I think Jeff would be remiss if I didn't mention his beautiful blue shirt here. But my question is really about once the challenge begins, here we see something that we've actually already seen before in this episode, which is Lulu quickly fall behind. And my question is about the preparation that you were mentioning. You said from TreeMail, you start saying you might be on the puzzle. You might be on this. Then you show up. You see this giant obstacle course that you are expected to go through. There's a mud pit. You're crawling through it. It's episode one of Survivor. How do you make the decision as a team when Jeff says, I'll give you a minute to strategize. We'll get started. What's actually going on in that circle? As quickly as you
5: can, you are trying to make a blueprint for success getting through the challenge. I'll do this when we get here. I'll do this when we get here. And it's a very stressful process because you have limited time and everyone has ideas. So somebody's got to take a back seat. Somebody inevitably ends up in that leadership role. Be careful of where you end up in that. And then once the challenge starts, oftentimes, almost like the marooning, it becomes a blur. Everybody's running. Jeff is narrating. One thing goes wrong. For Lulu, Brandon can't get up the wall. And it's just a catastrophe. It falls apart. People start yelling. It's very hard to keep your cool out there, Jay. All this excitement, all this adrenaline comes to just a slam when something goes wrong. And you didn't have time really to come up with a plan
1: B before the challenge. That's not something that you're afforded. So the challenge ends, and I think Caleb put it best when he referred to them as the Lulu losers, because that is essentially what they have showed us that they are throughout the episode. The next question from the Survivor fan on the couch is, isn't this a straightforward next few hours? There's one person who has caused all of this. No way. No such thing as an easy
5: vote on Survivor. Not when all these folks came out here to play. Let me put you in that position when you're back in camp. You have a very limited amount of time before you head out to tribal council and you have a to-do list. You want to talk to everybody on the island and you want to talk to at least a few of them together to make sure that they're telling you the right thing. But while you're doing this, you're seeing other people go off and talk to each <laughs> other. Your, your paranoia is at an all time high. Every once in a while, maybe you're left alone. Right Now you have to think, do I go out and search for an idol? Is this a time to take my fate in my hand? Or do I wanna go and make sure they know I'm not searching for an idol because that could be the thing that throws this into flux. So there's a million things going on in every vote on Survivor. In this particular vote, very clear, Brandon, bad for team strength. You might be going to a lot of tribal councils if you don't get rid of him. Emily, bad for team morale. Mm. Is this someone you can work with long term? And then Sabaya and Caleb are kind of their own little mystery because they went to Sweat versus Savvy and they didn't come back with something for the tribe. Maybe they came back with something for themselves. Then you have Hannah, who's not even really wanting to be there, and she's kind of not into it as much as everybody else. So everyone out there is an option. The only person I didn't mention is Sean, and the mere fact that he wasn't mentioned as an easy option makes him a huge target. Let's
1: get him out first. (laughs) So there's absolutely never an easy vote on Survivor. Which brings us to our final turning point of the episode, Tribal Council. The first thing I want to know, Rick, is what is that initial Tribal Council like? I can imagine you're terrified, awestruck, excited, terrified again, and so on and so forth.
5: It is. It's similar to the challenge. You walk in and you're just in this whole other world. And I think something that fans don't know that they should appreciate is when we're there as castaways, the cameras are hidden they're in the dark. You right. are not looking at cameras. You are just in this place where you come to destroy people's dreams. And it could be your <laughs> dream that's destroyed. Right. But at the same time, it's exciting. This is like the Roman Coliseum. This is where you come to do combat. And Jeff is there and he's making sure that everyone has an opportunity to do what they need to do. And maybe you don't want to do anything, right? But if you want to go there and you want to say something, you're going to have that opportunity. So you want to be prepared, but then you're overwhelmed by the moment, especially that first tribal council.
1: Yeah. And on top of being prepared and nervous, you can never predict what's going to happen, as we saw when Hannah shocked everybody.
4: And I see five people who want to be here more than anything, and I love them, but like everything in my body is like, I'm not going back to that camp. Please don't make me go back to that camp. And like, I'm just going to be really honest, but like, I don't need to be voted out to go home.
1: I mean, that's the last thing you expect. If you're one of the other five on Lulu, what's going through your head? so much is going through your head in that moment.
5: For one, I mean, we could see that they didn't really believe she was going to quit, that maybe she just wanted them to throw votes her way so that she could get voted out of the game. But if you're in that moment, I mean, either way, your plan has gone out the window. And you have to think, how does Hannah leaving affect me? Is this great? Was I worried that I was going to be the first out? Maybe I'm really relieved. But if she was a part of my long-term game, sirens are going off and you have to convince her to stay. What are you doing? This is, this is important. Um, And I think that if, if you think that she really is leaving, but she was part of your game and you don't want to necessarily put your relationship out there, start planning. Who else are you going to be able to work with from here on out? I think there's so many things going on, but most of them are that selfish survivor player saying, how does this affect me? How can I use this? Or, how can I prevent this from happening?
1: Yeah, it's it's funny. It's an echo of what you were saying earlier with respect to Brandon and the panic attack. It's like you have to be empathetic and you also have to play the game at the same time. And to do those things at once is extremely complicated, but also that survivor. Yeah. For you, Rick, personally, I'm curious. You played in season 38, Edge of Extinction, you went to the edge, you survived with nothing, you clawed your way back into the game, you fought your way to the final four fire-making and tragically exited the arena. How did hearing Hannah quit make you feel?
5: As someone who went through everything you just described, I was bummed and I was ticked off. I was really, I was really upset about it. I know how much goes in to getting out there on that island. Uh, by so many people other than yourself. Think of all the people back home that have helped make this happen. People that are watering your plants, feeding your dog. Maybe there's folks at work filling in for your shift. Whatever it is, you can't go away for seven weeks without impacting a lot of people in your everyday lives. Then I think about Reem Daly, the first voted out on my season, Maddie, the first voted out last season. I've met these people and a lot of other people who were voted out early on Survivor and they would have clawed their way to the end if they could. They would do anything to go back. So I feel for them. But I think the players in the game are who I really feel for because if you've worked this hard to get out there, you're living your dream, you've spent the first three days of the game setting up a plan for yourself and it's out the window because this Alliance member would prefer a cigarette than to stay in the game and work with you. I think that's, that, that, that's a real bummer when you're out there living your dream. But these players are great players. And again, one of them got a free pass. So it goes both ways.
1: Yeah, it seems like maybe Emily got a second shot of life here. And I, for one, am very interested to see if she learns from this, because it did kind of feel like maybe she was going home tonight. Yeah, and I want to check in after
5: the break with pros because... Propes used to crush people for quitting and he didn't take it easy on hannah but i want to check in with him about the evolution of his approach to quitters in the game
1: and jeff told us that he's going to share the details of a scene that didn't make the episode but could impact the game so what is it and why isn't it in the episode we'll talk to jeff right after this
3: old school legends modern power players redemption seekers and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the
2: prize of 300 dollars. anyone can win relationships matter and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion listen to mtv's official
3: challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts
5: Welcome back to On Fire. I'm Rick Devens with Jay Wolf and we're now joined once again by Jeff Propes. What's up, Jeff? What's
4: up, Rick? This is good. Good for a show. A lot of good insight. I like it when I can learn something cuz even though I've been out there 23 years, I have never played, so I'm always learning something from former players. But before we get to questions, I have something I got to get off my chest. I saw a post from a former player who now has a business where they coach you, and I put that in quotes to help you get on Survivor. And let me first say, I love people who play Survivor, and I am genuinely happy when I hear of a former player who now has their own podcast or they're doing speaking engagements or they're making appearances. Honestly, it's fantastic. But this business is very specific. Former players are charging money to potential future players with advice about how to get on the show, how to get us to notice you, what you should do or say on your video, things like that. Here's the headline to anyone who's thinking about doing this. If you need the coaching of a former player to help you get on the show, you're not going to get on the show. And here's why. We know what we're looking for and it has nothing to do with what someone says or does on their video. It's the essence of the person on the video. It's those intangible qualities that make each of us unique. You can't coach for that. That's absurd. Essence is what makes someone like Carolyn different from Jam Jam, who is different from Matt, who is different from Franny. The only thing those four players have in common, they knew who they were. And that's what we're looking for. That nuance of personality and nuance comes from authenticity. So unless these coaches can go in your brain and psychologically change who you are, then they're of no use. Let me just, is this tracking so far, Jay? Yeah, totally. Okay. Let me just remind you, if you don't know how casting works from from our end, here's what we do. We start in August, we go through March, we go through every application video, every single one, because here's our truth. We're desperate for great people. We're not your adversary. You don't need to go through us. We're your ally. And if we see any spark in your video, then we reach out and now you're in our system. And sometimes somebody's just dynamite. And immediately we start talking to them and we put them into the process. They may be on the very next season. Sometimes people need a little more time. You know, maybe you're 16 and you're not quite old enough, but we know you're going to be great when you're 18. So we work with you. Sometimes and oftentimes people are just at a stage in their life where maybe they're in a transition to so- something's happening and that can make them perfect for right now. Or we can see that, wow, in a year when they're through all that, they'll be perfect then. My point is there's nothing you need to do. You just need to be you. And if you go to these websites or see posts from these coaches, they may name a player who they coached and that player did get on survivor. So the conclusion you could draw is, Oh, So it does work. You get coaching, you get on the show, but it's not true. In fact, it's more likely that it's the opposite, that despite getting coaching on how to be their most authentic self, they still got on the show. I'll give you a couple of examples. Brandon is a name I've heard about as receiving coaching. Okay, great. But here's the truth. Brandon has been in our survivor system for a long time. I've known about Brandon for years and he's been working with one of our most senior casting producers. And she was going to bring us Brandon when she thought Brandon was ready for the season we're putting together. Caleb is another one I heard about. Let me tell you something. I could have been talking to Caleb in the express checkout line at a supermarket with just two items. And before they scanned the second item, I would already know Caleb was going to be on Survivor. That's how dynamic he was. I see every single person who's going to be on the show. I approve every single person who's going to be on the show. I've been out there every single day of every season of Survivor. And I'm telling you from my heart, there is no formula, no tips, no coaching needed. All you have to do is be yourself. And if your authentic self isn't what we're looking for, no amount of coaching is going to change that. I'll let you in even deeper to make my point. Lately, when I Zoom with a potential player, I haven't even watched their application video. I know zero about them. Jay, nothing, not a single thing. Think about that. I, I know nothing. And they have no idea what I'm going to ask them when we talk. And you know what we talk about? Whatever's on our mind. <laughs> <laughs> How do you prepare for that? You can't. The right. good news is you don't need to. And I say this to people all the time when we're on our casting Zoom calls don't ever prep for me. Don't worry about wearing that same shirt or telling that same story. It doesn't matter. You don't have to pop. You just have to trust us that you're either what we're looking for or you're not. And that should be incredibly freeing. And the reason I am so passionate about this is I don't want anyone to feel there is a barrier to entry on Survivor. It shouldn't cost money to get on Survivor. And it doesn't.
5: So I want to Follow up on that, Jeff, because I know a lot of people listening to this podcast want to be on the show. If they're going through casting and you do find out they used a coaching service, is
4: that a ding? No, you can can pay for coaching and still get on Survivor. I just mentioned Brandon and Caleb and they're on the show. And I'm guessing there are others who used coaching and got on the show. All I'm trying to say is you don't need to. If you get on Survivor, you would have gotten on without the coaching. That's what we do. But to your point, Devins, if after hearing this, you have your own point of view and you still feel like you want to get coaching, then great. I get it. Go for it. But I, I will give you some free advice that I think will be useful. Just take note of what this stubbornness says about your personality. I'm being genuine here. It says that you're skeptical. You don't listen to experts. In this case, I'd be the expert. You have to see things for yourself. Well, those are all personality qualities. And the more aware you are of how you behave as a human, the better you'll be at managing your behavior in important moments. So that is useful. So is getting a flint and practicing fire or learning the basics of a lean-to or swimming in the ocean.
1: All right, so maybe we should do some questions about the show now. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, thanks for letting me get that off my chest. I'm just looking out for people, Jay.
1: That's all I'm doing. All right, first question. It kind of goes unsung amidst all of the uh, things that are going on within the episode, but the episodes themselves are 90 minutes now, which yeah. is new. So how did you make that change and approach this season differently, knowing that there were going to be longer episodes? So you do need to design the game with 90 minutes in mind. I'll give you a very specific
4: example of how 90 Minutes impacted the game design. We created a much more elaborate idle design this season. It was an idea from Team Flint. It was Quigley and Andrea and Keone. We talk about them a lot. I was really impressed with how they laid out this idea. They really thought it through. There's a lot of beautiful symmetry throughout it. And I think fans are going to enjoy it. But it's more complicated. It's going to take more ingenuity. It's going to probably take more time. You're going to have to be very stealth. You might even need some assistance, which also changes the game. Like if you have to tell somebody, now you're in it with somebody. Well, all of that takes time to show you. And typically, we don't have a lot of time. Our episode is moving, moving, moving. With 90 minutes, we can show you. And I really
1: think you're going to enjoy it. Okay, we got to talk about Tribal Council. Jeff, at what point did you sense that Hannah was quitting? Mm. And what's your reaction in the moment when you're realizing it? Well,
4: I'll start with I was shocked. Because I, too, thought the days of players quitting on Survivor was over. But as far as when I picked up on it, it, as she started to share how uncomfortable she was, and it wasn't just a passing comment, my stomach started to rumble. There was this faint but familiar unease stirring in my body. And on top of it, you've got the stakes of tribal council. I mean, this is the ultimate turning point in every, every episode. There's literally a million dollars on the line. The stakes don't get any bigger because someone's dream is about to end. And that's all the players are thinking. And then as Devin said, out of nowhere, you want to just quit and give up. And it's not the person who is going to be voted out.
5: And we talked about how game design forces players to adapt. Well, here's a player forcing you to
4: adapt. Yes. What's going through your mind in that situation? You hit it. It is literally what you just said. It's my version of the uncertainty that we just talked about, which I love. That's when I'm on my toes. So I'm listening to Hannah and really I'm just reading her body language in the moment. And I'm trying to quickly discern, is this for real or is this some kind of a ploy or she just having a bad day? But it became pretty clear to me, she's going to go home. And on the surface, you could say, well, that sounds pretty straightforward. She wants to quit, let her quit. And we don't want her out here anyway. But it goes back to what I said earlier. It's a million dollar game. And there might be plans in place. Like if we go with the scenario that Emily was the person who was going to be voted out, then what if the rest of the tribe doesn't really care that Hannah wants to quit? They want to vote out Emily.
1: Yeah, what do you do in that situation?
4: Well, I, I think you have to let it play out and just keep adapting as you go. And, and, and in that case, I was watching the other five players, and it seemed clear to me that they were okay with Hannah quitting. That's ultimately why we ended up not even needing to do a vote. But if there had been any uncertainty in my mind, or if a player would have said, oh, no, 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 I, I, I think we want to vote, then we would have had the vote because ultimately tribal council is decided by the players. And so they're always in charge. This could happen again. And then everybody says, oh, no, we're absolutely voting. You just have to see how it goes. And Jeff,
5: you used to be rough on quitters. It made a serious impression on me. I'm still scared
4: to quit (laughs) things because of what you said to quitters. (laughs) What changed? Okay, it's a great question. So when we redesigned the game for this new era, not only did we change specific things like the number of days and the pace and the danger, we also changed the types of players that we put on the show, and we changed the intention behind the game that those players would encounter here's what we did this really started with me and matt on the phone during COVID. we re-examined the format of survivor through a different lens with a focus on the experience and it showed us a lot so it's the same game but it has a different intention leading the way are you are you with me on this so far? i'm with you okay So we now see Survivor, first and foremost, as a human experience. It's this grand, action-packed adventure that will test you on every level. It's imposing and suspenseful. It can be awe-inspiring and soul-stirring, and it can be brutally humbling. You're living in a real jungle. You're surviving with strangers with very few supplies and very little food for 26 days. No friends, no help, just you the relationships you form, and your own self-governed level of intestinal fortitude. (laughs) It's the kind of test you can't get in your normal life, okay? So the game of Survivor, which is forming alliances, finding idols, playing advantages, using your emotional intelligence to read people, your uh, detective skills to check facts, deciding when to listen to your gut or your head, all of that, that deliciously fun game of social politics and human poker, that's the lure. So you have the experience, but the game is the lure because in order to have the experience, you have to play the game. And so through this new lens, I also saw a place for my role to change and evolve. And I now place the majority of my creative energy on designing the game because the game is the key. Then once we're shooting, I get to witness the player's experience. And that's where my role as host has shifted. So like you said, I used to be hard on quitters. Well, back in the Pearl Islands, when poor Austin was our first quit, Social media wasn't a thing. So I was the true voice of the audience, and I felt that. My my personal feelings were irrelevant. My job was to speak for the audience, and I knew the audience would be outraged at Austin quitting. So I was outraged. And I loved laying down his torch because it was dramatic, and I knew the fans would agree. He didn't deserve a torch snuff. Well, today, the fans don't need me to speak for them. Social media dwarfs anything I could ever say to a player. And remember, Survivor's not just a U.S. show. We're seen in 150 countries. This is a global show. That episode just aired and Hannah is already feeling what the Survivor audience thinks about her quitting. And she knew this wrath was coming from the moment she quit back in the jungles of Fiji. So there's nothing I could have said or needed to say. The audience will speak for themselves. All I saw was how the design of the game was impacting the experience for the players. Hannah decided she didn't want the experience, so she quit the game. Does that make sense? I know it was a bit of a soapbox moment.
1: No, it totally makes sense, but just me curious. Yep. I hear you when you say the audience will decide, but do you have a personal reaction as a fan? Very disappointed.
4: We invest a lot of time, a lot of money, And a lot of energy in finding players like Hannah. And I know how many people want to be on the show. And they're mad right now at us. And they're saying, you talk all about your great casting process. (laughs) Well, what happened? Well, I don't know. In fact, the first call I made was to Jesse Tannenbaum. And I said, add this into our data collection because we got something wrong. Well, the game is seriously tough. Are you surprised more people don't quit? Yes, that's actually a really good point. Because in our first 40 seasons, the old era only 17 out of like 660 some players quit. That's like 2%. And so far in the new era, it's one in 90. That's probably what, 1%, a little over one. So quitting is still extremely
1: rare. Okay, well, moving on. As a reminder, if you have questions for Jeff, you can write to us at SurvivorShoutOut at CBS.com and we will read those questions, maybe even read them here. This question comes from Tiffany. And since it's episode one and we're seeing all the new tribes, I thought this was a good one. She asks, Hey Jeff, I'm wondering about the process of deciding who goes on what tribe. Do you place people on tribes together based on personalities, having a mix of strengths, or are players more randomly placed? What
4: we do is we go from August to March finding our new batch of players. So we're in casting right now for 47 and 48. And when we get the players that we finally have decided are going to be on our two seasons, we lay all the cards on a table and we just start arranging them. No real A formal process to it, but what you're looking for is what you would imagine physical, mental, IQ, emotional intelligence, and then all the information we've gathered from our deep, deep psychological dive about diversity and age and background and upbringing, ethnicity, points of view. But there's no science, that's for sure, Tiffany, because until you have the group together, you can't really predict how it will go. Sometimes we get it right, sometimes we get it wrong. But I will say that. Historically, even if we get it wrong and you're on a miserable tribe, sometimes losing can form bonds. And if you can survive the tribals and get to the merge, those bonds can then be an accelerator to get you to the end.
1: The Tika 3.
4: Exactly. Do you agree with that, that the losing, even though it's dangerous because you go to tribal, if you survive, tribal can be a strength. Oh,
5: yeah. If you make it through those tribals, which is the big if, then you're battle hardened. You know how people have voted. You have a lot of information in
1: the game mm. that people who have not visited tribal do not have. Good point. All right, Jeff. I promised the people listening to this podcast at the tease that you were going to share a deleted scene. Yes. Can you do that for us?
4: I can. So here's the deal. Even with 90 minutes, there was so much happening in the premiere that there were things that we had to cut out of the episode. That's normal. But there's one scene that I think you actually need to know about. Here's what happened. This is not in the episode, but it could impact the game. After the immunity challenge, we had a twist. The winning tribe, that was Bellow, was allowed to send one player to the losing tribe's beach. That was Lulu. And then the person would get to hang out while Lulu is scrambling, trying to figure out who they're going to vote, and gather all these tribe dynamics. Who's talking to who? You know, what can they learn, not only for their own game, but what they could take back to their tribe? It's a pretty big twist, right? Yeah, yeah that's, that's massive. That's crazy. Okay, so, Bello sends Kendra. Kendra goes over and she literally just hangs out there watching all of them scramble, but they now realize Kendra's here. So they're trying to figure out who they're going to vote for, but they're also aware that somebody is eavesdropping. What they don't know is that while Kendra is gathering information, because she's talking to people, there's another layer. Kendra is getting to cast a vote in tonight's tribal council. She's going to go to tree Mail before they leave to go to tribal. Nobody's going to know, but she's going to cast a vote. So she does, and she casts a vote for Brandon. Wow. Whoa. Right. Nobody knew. So we get to tribal council. In theory, Brandon already has one vote cast against him. But then, as we saw, there was no vote because Hannah quit. So it never came into play. So when it came time to have to trim the episode down, as much as we loved this scene, because it didn't really play out the way we intended with the vote and everything, we had to cut it. But obviously, Kendra now has been to Lulu. She's formed some kind of relationships with those players and she has some kind of information. So if there's a tribe swap or if she makes the merge, who knows how that information or those relationships might come into play. Wow! Just wanted you to have that for the Survivor superfan a tidbit you can only get on on fire
5: okay well that is it for this week's episode of on fire please don't forget to rate and review wherever you
4: listen to podcast and there's a brand new survivor episode next wednesday 8 7 central on cbs and paramount plus and immediately following that the next episode of on fire we'll see y'all next week So, you're a Survivor Superfan, huh? Well, we've got plenty of great products for you from this season's buffs to my signature hat, t shirts, and more. There's something for the Superfan in all of us. Shop official merchandise at ShopSurvivor.com and save 20% off at checkout with code ONFIRE. That's 20% off with code ONFIRE at ShopSurvivor.com.